This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello there and welcome to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. I'm Joe Rimmer, standing in for Ian Doyle today, who's having a well-earned day off. And I'm joined by two fine young journalists and James Pearce. James, you were down in the London Stadium last night. How are you feeling? Not too bad, thanks Joe. Yourself? I'm good, thank you. Alongside him, I've got the tall man, Paul Ghost. How are you, Paul? Hello, Joe. Yeah, fine, yeah. yeah. Good. And the Echo's newest signing, sorry, the Echo Sports Desk's newest signing, Kiva O'Neill. Hello. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. How many how many pods have you done with us now? Three or four? Uh, yeah. Two? Yeah. Two? All right, yeah, you've been counting, Paul. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> just just, just talking properly in there, you yeah, know. Yeah. Listen there. Well, it's the, to count. it's the first one I've shared with you, so welcome, welcome to this podcast. James, we'll start with you. Um, London Stadium, pretty poor performance from Liverpool. Do you think that's the worst performance of the season so far? Yeah, I think so in terms of being so collectively poor in pretty much all departments. I think I, I was sat there watching, watching it and thinking, I just couldn't remember the last time a Liverpool team just made so many unforced errors mm. and... You know, it was infuriating to watch because you almost felt, especially in the second half, where West Ham never really, you know, they they had, they had their moments, but you never, you never, I didn't feel as if Liverpool were really going to lose the game in the second half. But it was there to be won, and they just needed to to find some kind of fluency and spark for you know a five ten minute spell, um, which you know they've been good at this season, grinding out results when not at their best, but. It just never looked like coming. I the number of times where you know promising openings just disappeared, misplaced pa- passes, poor touches, um, just really lethargic. And mm-hmm. you know everything we've admired about Liverpool so far this season was was lacking. And you know you go back to the Leicester game last week, and I think you came came away from that one thinking, do you know what? That was just one of those nights where you know a lot of things went against them. Decisions went against them. The pitch was was pretty treacherous and all the rest of it. And Leicester and not, not a bad side, but I didn't feel as if there was much to cling to in terms of positives last night because Liverpool were just not at it from pretty much start to finish. And you know, I don't think anyone could possibly claim they deserved anything more than a point. Just reading through your verdict last night, I could detect quite a bit of concern. How concerned are you by Liverpool's last couple of performances and perhaps the title challenge in general? Do you know what? I wasn't, I wasn't really concerned after Leicester that, for, for what we've just said before, but yeah, I think, I, think you'd, I think anyone who's not a bit concerned after mm-hmm. what happened at the London Stadium is kidding themselves because I think, well, two things. One is the injuries have clearly... You know, and it's you know when you think we're only probably two three months ago we were going on about Liverpool having almost a clean bill of health probably apart from Oxlade Chamberlain and how they've been actually pretty lucky and now they've had this horrendous run since December yeah. where they've lost so many key players and you know, that's why it wasn't a massive surprise that when you to see Liverpool that disjointed when you've got a midfield that had never played together before you know Lallana hadn't started a game hadn't mm-hmm. started a league game since October. Cater wouldn't have been in that starting lineup, you know, mm-hmm. if if Henderson and Wijnaldum mm-hmm. had been fit. Milner, you know, makeshift right back, and he'd been ill. You know, hadn't even travelled with the team because they were concerned about him. You know, passing on germs to the players and all the rest of it. So, and then the other side of it is the match winners, the ones, the go-to men that you on nights like that you really need to to really grab the game by the scruff of the neck. Just didn't have any kind of impression on the game at all. Like I, I was thinking, I can't remember Roberto Firmino ever having a worse game for Liverpool than that. Mm-hmm. Just everything he tried to do seemed to 
seemed to go wrong. I thought Mane did okay, but Salah again really, really quiet. You know, mm-hmm. threatened in little you know fits and starts, little flashes of brilliance, but no real conviction. You know, and I think you know the, the Origi miss late on kind of summed it up for me because you know it was such a, a tame effort in keeping with a, a, a pretty substandard performance all round. Mm. Paul, I mean, you and I spoke about this a little bit before, but if this is Liverpool's wobble, uh, they've, they've managed to navigate two fairly tricky games without losing. Do you think that's a positive that Liverpool fans can look at? Yeah, I suppose. It's, if it is the wobble, um, we, we, as you say, we spoke before, I mean, we mentioned that Man City lost three in December, two on the bounce and mm. uh, lost to Chelsea. So that was their Lost wobble. Lost Newcastle last week. You know. Well, yeah, yeah. But it looked like City's wobble was uh, was in December, wasn't it, where they lost three in Liverpool. Um, if it is to be their wobble from early January to February, they've lost one and, and drawn two, which isn't isn't the worst. But it's, it's disappointing when you think Liverpool would have been better off beating Leicester last, last week and, and getting beat last night and, and they'd have more points. It's just um, frustrating, really, but... The players in it are never going to be 100 percent at it in every game, yeah. and, and sometimes performances like this do happen. So, to not lose was was a was a big positive really because uh, West Ham played well. West Ham up their game. A lot of their top men turned up, and the pool didn't really for for large large portions of the game. James mentioned there, but Roberto Firmino, I thought. I mean, I'm struggling to think of a game where where he's played worse. There's yeah. games where he's been quiet and he hasn't yeah. really been involved, but he was noticeably bad yesterday for kind of. Ending attacks before they even got going, little wayward passes here and there, and then when Jurgen Klopp does reach for a, a substitute, you're praying on Divock Origi to, to turn it around and kind of it brings into focus the paucity of the squad really, particularly in the attacking areas. Liverpool don't have anywhere near as, as good a quality uh, striking wise as Firmino do they for, for when he does have an off night and Manchester City have got it in spades with Gabriel Jesus and Riyad Mahrez and whoever else they can bring off the bench. So that kind of brought that into focus a little bit last night. You've just said that the players can't be on it in every game. But don't you think that because of the way the bar has been raised in the Premier League in recent years that you almost have to be now? Yeah, yeah, you do. And, and that's why it's so difficult to win the Premier League, isn't it? Because you, you have to. Liverpool have never had a greater points tally than they've had at this stage of, of any season. And you think you've won 18 leagues, you think what a remarkable achievement that is. And... The reality is they still haven't achieved anything. If City win tomorrow night, then City go back above them. And that's just how good you've got to be in, in, in this Premier League season. It's really, really tough. Kiva, I've seen a couple of your tweets last night. Do you think we're all guilty of being a bit too negative about Liverpool at the moment? All right, City can go top on Wednesday night, but they'll have played the game more. Liverpool are still technically three points clear at the top of the league. And it's a very good position to be in. They've only lost once all season. I think the immediate reaction after the game last night is similar to sort of, they were reminiscent of the game against Napoli away mm. and in the Champions League, Red Star and PSG. Them games where you're just watching sort of thinking, especially the Napoli and Red Star game where you just, you sort of know what's on the cards. Yeah, where yeah. luckily the Leicester and West Ham game, we managed to get a point almost, even though Paul, like Paul says, it'd be better if we would have lost to Leicester. It yeah. maybe would have woke us up a little bit and then to win at West Ham would have done wonders for us. And we would have had one point more than we do now. Yeah. It's just, it, it it's so, it's hard not to be negative at times like that, but we have to remember the position we're in and how much it does affect the players. It really, you know, they're on social media, they're out there, they, they, see, they see what we write. And I think we need to put across a more positive, just 
just support them no matter what because we are still top of the Premier League. You know, City are probably going to go to Everton and get three points and go top on goal difference. And that is such a big blow because it feels like we've only lost one game. Like, we should yeah. be top of the Premier League. It's just the way it works. And, you know, we've been punished for just sort of having lackadaisy sort of performances in the last the yeah. last two games. And um, the fans just... We just need to... stay behind them really and you know we've had like the best start ever so we've just got to keep going and you know no one wins the title in February and it is very early February it's not like late on and getting into March and April there'll be the times when you know it matters and there's some big big games to come so you know nothing's nothing's lost after the draw although it does feel really disappointing yeah I don't know whether you saw Mark Noble after the game yesterday I know Klopp took exceptions to a couple of things he said (laughs) but he actually made a couple of decent points and he he said that he watched the Leicester game at home and he, he said he, he felt like the ground was nervous. He said it does, I know Virgil van Dijk said, said otherwise, but he said it does affect you as a player when you when you feel that way. And do you think that the players are feeling that at the moment? They're feeling a little bit perhaps negative because of the fans and, and even ourselves maybe in the media are guilty of being a little bit negative, a little bit well, too negative. Yeah, well, if you, if you look at the Champions League games at Anfield when the crowd has won the game for Liverpool... Uh, it affects the players that much that they mm-hmm. just the sort of like you're playing a game of FIFA almost because the crowd are yeah. controlling it. Yeah. Um, so games like last night, obviously it's away game, so there's less fans there anyway. But the Leicester game, I was at that, and it was just everyone was shouting like you know different things at different players, and just it was like quite hostile and negative. And we just need to sort of rein that in a little bit as fans and start singing, you know, get the the cop like it is on a Champions League night and imagine what effect that would have on the players because obviously we've got a great a great we always have great games in the Champions League and that's because the way we sort of react to it it, it has been a really long way for the league so we, we've sort of lost that love and feeling almost mm-hmm. and you know we, we're waiting and waiting and waiting and the wait keep, keeps going on and on and on and you sort of lose that love and feeling for it but you know it can come back and we're a big part of that as much as the players are too and we have to remember that. Yeah, I think Kiva has just hit on the, the right thing there, isn't it? It's been so long, hasn't it, for, for the Liverpool fans that it does bring about a lot of pressure and, yeah. and it, it ends up, you feel quite negative because you're desperate for them to, to, to break this duct and finally win a league. Aren't yeah, you? well, it's that kind of feeling of here we go again and yeah. you know, it's, hap- it's happening yeah. again and so, and it is, it is difficult to get away from that yeah. because, you know, you, you think back to you know, 2013, 14, and you know, obviously yeah. the, the the Benitez team before that, and you know the Julie team. When you know he talked about Liverpool being ten games from greatness, and yeah. then you know the wheels came off. And but you know, I think he was right. You sometimes you, you know, there's no getting away from. I think I think I think you can still be realistic and critical at the same time. I think I think you'd have to be critical of Liverpool yeah. at, at West Ham because there was just so much wrong with the performance. But it still doesn't change the fact that when you take a step back. You know, you still wouldn't swap Liverpool's position now with anyone else. You know, three points clear. Yes, okay, City could take over at the top, but they will have played a game more. You know, Liverpool have got a pretty kind fixture coming up at Anfield on the weekend. You know, Bournemouth. You know, not a bad team, but you know they're not the kind of team that's going to come and you know just park the bus and try and uh, and hold on for a point. You know, their away record's pretty dismal as well, Bournemouth. So, and then and then Liverpool then have got a, a decent break which I think is going to be really really valuable to to Klopp I think you know they'll go away to Spain next week or well, they got 10 days before 
the, the first leg against Bayern. And, and when you look at the injury situation at the moment, I mean, hopefully Trent should be back uh, for the Bournemouth game. You know, that'll be a boost in itself. I know Klopp said he's not sure yet on Henderson and Wijnaldum, but got the impression, that, well, certainly last night, they were saying that both of them were relatively minor. So you'd hope it, at least one of them might be back for the weekend. And so, you know, Liverpool should be able to get through the Bournemouth game. And then, you know, I think that would just just allow everyone just to cool off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, but there's no doubt that, you know, if Liverpool are going to go on and get the job done, they're going to have to click back into gear pretty quickly because, you know, there's no way you're going to get away with, you know, with Bayern. And then was it United, isn't it? United yeah. away after yeah. that, you know, United away without doubt. You know, I think the, the toughest fixture Liverpool have got left to play in the, in the league this season. Um, so, yeah, I think it is worrying at the moment, but the other side of it is, you know, they've come through two performances that were way off the level you'd expect, still unbeaten. Um, you know, City aren't in unbelievably good form themselves. Mm. They played well against Arsenal on the weekend, but... To extent. Yeah. To extent. I mean, Arsenal didn't... To honest, Arsenal didn't lay a glove on them second half. Mm. They were pretty pathetic second half Arsenal. So. But in the first half, they, I thought they threatened yeah. more than you see the most teams threaten against Man City. And, yeah, yeah. And they Liverpool did. wiped the floor with Arsenal. So. I think a lot of people forget watching City and how dominant they was against Arsenal, how dominant we were not so long yeah, ago against, against Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah. That sort of got thrown out the window. No one really mentioned it. You know, we, yeah. we put five past them and yeah. we come from behind to do that. And I think Arsenal, I know they took the lead at Anfield, but the, Liverpool, sorry, they threatened Man City a little bit more than they did Liverpool at any point during that game. Um, Paul, let's have a little look at what went wrong at West Ham. Um, we'll start with the defence. Uh, I, I wouldn't say Liverpool have got massive defensive problems. They've still got the best defence defensive record in the league, but they certainly have started conceding more goals. I think Alisson has kept one clean sheet since Boxing Day. Um, and is it the simple answer to Liverpool's defensive problems? Is it just personnel or is there more to it than that? No, I think it is as simple as that. Um, Liverpool are without their uh, first-choice centre-back parent, they're without their first-choice right-back, they're playing a midfielder at right-back, and if I'm being brutally honest, I, I'm, I think Liverpool are above Joel Matip's level, to be honest. I, I yeah. don't think he's particularly covered himself in glory, he's not aggressive enough, he's not particularly great in the air. I'm just wondering whether this squad has passed them by um, Liverpool have missed Dayan Lovren they've certainly missed Joe Gomez and Trent Alexander-Arnold and I think it can be s- uh, simplified to the fact that Liverpool have got half of their back four missing Kiva, a couple of questions then first of all how much do they miss Joe Gomez um, and second of all the, the performances like last night make you realise that Lovren's perhaps better than we give him credit for yeah, to answer the second question, I was just thinking that then, as you mentioned, Lovren Paul, you do think that this is like a World Cup finalist. You know, he's got that like aggressive style of defending, which not everyone always, you know, it can be erratic sometimes. Yeah. He can capitulate yeah. sometimes, but them games when he doesn't and you come away and when you've seen a Lovren performance like that, where he's, you know, he can be one of the best players on the pitch, if not the best sometimes. And that's... You know, that's something that we are missing. I think Matip isn't as aggressive as a player. I do quite I do quite like Matip, but I think he's made in the past two games a couple of smart um, tackles when you think, oh, they're about to score or yeah. something. But then he's made a couple of mistakes as well. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes he'll run into midfield and not know where he's going. But I, I do <laughs> sometimes, kind of, yeah. yeah. Too, too often for <laughs> yeah. my... Well, three times a half. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, to 
answer you, Joe Gomez's question, we just miss it massively. Like, it feels like a totally different season because the, the first half of the season when we had that whole and we had Trent as well, it was like this just blockade and there was just nothing was getting through. And it was like, it was... It's, looking back at it now, it's just bizarre to think that that's where we were. We were at this point where we were just not conceding goals and we were, like, 13 clean sheets and it was just like, you know, that's amazing and missing these two players has just been so damaging. Not like, you know, we haven't... I think we've conceded seven this year, have we, yeah. or something. It's not, like, awful. You see Chelsea conceding yeah. four at Bournemouth and, you know... It's it's not a disaster, and there can be things to fix it. Obviously, we've still got Van Dijk there, Robertson, and Allison. They've been with us all season. It's just about getting that the the team. You sort of wanted that team to go right through yeah. the season, and that doesn't always happen. Obviously, injuries happen, but um, it is having a, quite a bad effect on us. I think. Yeah. Do you think James one of the plus problems and something perhaps for Klopp to address in the summer is that. Apart from Van Dyke, the, the defenders just are too injury prone. Mm. Yeah, that that is definitely a worry, isn't it? They they just miss too much football, isn't it? Mm. It's um, I feel for Joe Gomez because you know you look at you know it's you wouldn't say you know that that was through absolutely it was a freak thing, yeah. wasn't it? You he know, hasn't he had gets, niggling injuries. No, has he's no, had he's, he's had some. He's, he, I would, he's had some brutal bad luck. Yeah, more than you know, Lovren misses a lot of games for little minor yeah. things here and there. Whilst you look at Gomez, he t- you know he's had some bad, you know, serious injuries. Yeah. That you know the the one at Burnley was was a, a freak thing, and then you know just just to compound the, the misery, you know they they make the decision that it should heal, you know, uh, on its own. They leave it what seven eight weeks, having hope that he'd be back within six weeks, and then yeah. now he's needed surgery. So. But yeah, you're right. I, I think he's going to have to go and buy a centre half in the summer, regardless of what happens between now and the end of the season. Because um, I agree with what Gorsi said. I, I don't think Matip no, is good yeah. enough. I think he. I think he had a he had a good first six months at Liverpool, um, where you know I thought he looked the part. But I think he's regressed since then. I think he, you know, he's yeah, he's nowhere near and you know aggressive enough. And I think I don't think Van Dijk. You know, I think they just don't seem to have that rapport no, that Van no. Dijk has with the Gomez or even with with Lovren. I think um, Gomez, uh, Matip just seems to spread like a little bit of unease, and I think, yeah, he just doesn't f- ever fulfil me with any great confidence. You know, last night, you know, the way he picked up the way he picked up the book in as well was just you know, hauling back Felipe Anderson like you know completely outfoxed and. Mm. Um, yeah, and you know, Lovren's frustrating because Lovren is a, is so much better than a lot of people give him credit for. Yeah. But again, just misses misses far too much football. And you, know, you compare that to to Van Dyke, and but I think mentality comes into it as well because you know we all know that Klopp said last night again about Van Dyke having lost what four kilos. He said yeah. hadn't trained for four days prior to the uh, the Leicester game. Was playing with two crack ribs earlier on in the season because his mentality is. You know, just patch me up and get me out there. I want to play. Whilst some other players don't have don't have that same kind of resilience and, and resolve. But um, yeah, it's definitely to do with personnel. There's yeah. no doubt about that. I mean, yeah. you know, people. I, I know a lot of people have been talking about Nathaniel Klein. You know, suddenly that that's become a talking point again, yeah. and, and rightly so because you know I think I never had a problem actually with him loaning out Klein because you know I I, I look tried to look at it from Klopp's point of view in terms of 
I think the way Klopp's always operated, if you don't want to be here, then he, yeah. he hates the idea of keeping players that don't want to be around. I think you, you even even go back to the summer when Coutinho was trying to leave before he did it yeah. finally in the January. Klopp would always say, well, no, the owners have made the decision. He's not going. Yeah. It was never him because I think, I, I think obviously he wanted Coutinho to stay, but he wanted Coutinho to stay because he wanted to stay, not because they were making him stay. And and you know and that that was then part of the thinking when he still wanted to go yeah. in the in the January but um, yeah and, yeah but it's I think sometimes then obviously you've got to weigh that against the what you've got to put the club's interest first yeah. and that, that's why I can see the the argument now that he at the very least maybe shouldn't have granted Klein his loan until much later in the window because. You know, he, he could have said to him, "Okay, well, let's just see how January yeah. goes." And then, you know, obviously with with the with the way that things have happened with Trent getting injured and, and Milner's sending off, and because it is it is ridiculous that we're talking about a team going for the Premier League title. There's three points clear that have had you know two midfielders have played there in the last two games, and um, I wouldn't necessarily say that that's been the difference in terms of costing Liverpool points, but yeah, it's not great, is it? It doesn't help. I think. Just to pick up on something you said there about Klein, that would have been a good solution to make him wait a little bit longer. But do you think there's more to it when people just say, "Oh, they should have just kept hold of Klein"? More goes on behind closed doors than we don't we know about, isn't it? So if if a manager if a player's knocking on Klopp's door, perhaps <laughs> every week saying, "Look, I, I really want to go," it's it's pretty hard for him to just say, "No, you're definitely not going." Stay put. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. And I think that was that that was the thing. You know, if if Klein's attitude was right. Then, then Klopp wouldn't wouldn't have granted him the loan. I think he 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 his attitude was: if you don't want to be here, and I feel as if by your general kind of demeanour and and your attitude that you don't want to be here, then then go. Mm-hmm. Because that, and and I think you you have got to look at it from that perspective as well. Because there's, I think there's something a bit you know obviously Klein wanted to play, mm-hmm. but also why would you not want to stick around for for yeah. four or five months when you're you know, he's, he's never going to. You know, he's not won anything in his career, is he? What, what would he have? I think so. Promotion would sell up. Yeah, Palace, Southampton, yeah. and then you know that. So you know, this that was the chance to to be part of history. And you know, he, I don't know whether whether he's kicking himself or he's suddenly gone. Well, hang on a minute, I've I've left and I've I've left a month early because I, you know he would have played. What would he have played? At least three games. Yeah. three. It's starts, strange as well because he, he did start against United. Yeah, that was yeah, pretty, did, Actually, did all right. Yeah, pretty like, big show of faith. Yeah. But yeah, the, the bottom line is, you know, you can debate the rights and wrongs of, and I, and I think it's definitely a fair point to say they should have waited till later on in the window. But yeah, yeah Klopp didn't want to be there, and I think Klopp's attitude was, well, if you don't want to be here, I'm surprised because of what we're playing for and what's at stake. So, you know, rather than keep someone who's unhappy and is going to drag the mood down, you 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 clear off then. I was I was going to make that point then about the point that James made, where Clan <clears throat> can look at it and think. I could stay here six months, get a Premier League winner's medal and then go off to wherever I want on a, on a permanent transfer. But something Ashley Cole said last night on Monday Night Football made me think, he was asked, who was your favourite Chelsea manager while, while you were at Chelsea? And he had maybe seven yeah, or eight managers. And he picked um, Scolari and he was only there like six months. And he was asking, well, why, why, did, you, why did you favour him? And he basically just said, because he, he let me push on and, and players attacking as I wanted to and... The results obviously weren't there for Chelsea because he, I think he was sacked in the February. Yeah, so yeah, players only seem to really care about themselves. And, and I yeah. think that's where the thing with Klein comes in. He's thought, I want to be playing for the rest of the season. My, my career's only got you know six or seven years left. 
so off his pop rather than sticking around for the collective and maybe he'd have a Premier League winner's medal. So all players are selfish is what you're saying? It, it's, I mean, I suppose you've got to be selfish because it's a short career and yeah. you, you want to squeeze as much playing time out of it as you can, but... It was just something that interested me when Ashley Cole said that Scolari was his favourite Chelsea manager. He was good, Ashley Cole, wasn't he? Just a quick one. I actually thought he came across like a decent bloke and and made some really good points. I didn't actually see it after full time. Oh, well. Unfortunately. We'll move on then, Paul. (laughs) Uh, Similar question to what I asked you before about Lovren. Does this situation with right-backs also underline just how good Trent is? Yeah, Yeah. basically. Because Trent almost, don't want to say, ruined Nathaniel client's career but <laughs> his Liverpool career his Liverpool, you know he, as soon as he come in and then he, he just sort of bobbed around and then that was it then and he sort of stole his England place as well which was you mm. know um, quite a big thing so whether Klein you know is having problems sort of dealing with that and just thinking I just don't want to be here because of that like you know yeah, the 20 year old lad and, and yeah he's just come in and order. you know and I think if I was thinking last night, I know Milner was offside for the assist, but I don't think Klein gets there or does that like no, as I mean, a player. No. I think, I know James Milner's like a lot older and he's not a right back, but I was just thinking, I don't know if Klein would have done that. Obviously, it'd be nice to have a player who's actually a right back playing right back, yeah. but you know, we've, we've been there before with Milner and it was, I think it, it showed up more when Henderson played there because he was just looking a bit like he needed more space and he didn't have it, where I think, Milner operates quite well on the wings anyway. Um, we're definitely missing trends and you're just kind of thinking, is he coming back? Is he coming back? Because we just need to, like I said, at the beginning of the season, we need to get as close to that defence as we had because they were just they were playing so well together and we, ju- we just need to be back like that. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's move on to the midfield then. James... Lot said about Naby Keita yesterday. I, th- I don't know whether you'd agree with this, but I f- feel that it's a little bit harsh on him. I don't think there were many great performers across the pitch, and I think he had a poor first half. But he grew into the game in the second. A couple of bad decisions in terms of his final ball, but he never hid. He looked to pick the ball up. He looked to run up West Ham. Um, what did you make of his performance? We've worried about him a lot on this podcast. Uh, how worried are you about Naby Keita at the moment? Uh, yeah, still, still worried. Although I didn't think he was, I didn't, I didn't think he was as bad as some people made out last night. I think, I think, think people he, couldn't forget the set first half. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was more. He looked really poor in terms of off the ball. In terms yeah. of the number of times where he just didn't didn't seem the lack of awareness to what was going on around him, not tracking runners, and it was still, it worries me how easily he's brushed off the yeah, ball. Yeah. And because you know, I think we've said before, like on the podcast, that I didn't see a huge amount of him playing for for Leipzig, but. When you spoke to people that had that had had watched him regularly, they talked about how he was this like real like midfield dynamo, box to box that put himself about and had like a real edge to him as well. You know, I know he had you know, disciplinary issues and and you thought of oh, you know Liverpool could do with someone yeah. like that in the middle yeah. of the park and but for, yeah for whatever reason he, he just physically I, I, that's my biggest worry with him. He just doesn't seem to be able to really put himself about and put his stamp on games, but. Yeah, I thought he was really bad first half, but then second half, you're right, he didn't hide. He wanted the ball. He was positive. He was direct. He, you know, he, a couple of lovely moments where he, you know, dropped the shoulder and went past players, and mm. but then his decision making let him down. I think you know, he's really struggling confidence wise yeah. at the moment. I, mean, I do feel for him because nothing's going right for him, is it? You know, he was 
you know, if things had been differently against Leicester last week, you know, he would have been the player that, that won the penalty, yeah. that won the game for Liverpool. Or, you know, if, if he doesn't, if, if Pereira doesn't make that challenge, you know, we'd be talking about Keita being the hero, scoring the winning goal in front of the cop. Um, but yeah, I mean, the worry for me is because I think we all knew that in the second half of the season, the depth of the squad was going to get tested and, and we really needed people like Keita to step up, Lalana. Um, I thought Alana probably did as well as you could have expected for someone who's played so little football as him in recent months. And then, you know, Origi, Sturridge, you know, concerns about, as we said earlier on, the quality of the backup attacking options. And sadly, you know, the last two games have kind of shown that's still not really happening. You know, those the depth isn't as good as probably we all thought it was back in the autumn when we were raving about just how strong that bench looked. Yeah. Paul, Kiever, either of you two got strong opinions on Naby Keita's performance last night? I thought second half he was a lot better and um, on another night we might have been looking at someone who's claimed a vital assist for the winning goal because the way he kind of shimmied away from, I think it might have been Declan Rice and he's clipped it into Origi. Was it, it Frederick? Uh, Hend- What's his name? Frederick? Frederick, yeah. yeah. And I mean, Origi was offside, which which wasn't spotted by, by the lines and who both, mm-hmm. both of them had a bit of an off night, didn't they? Yeah. But if Origi slams that in Liverpool win two one, you're, you're talking today about what a, what a you know. Yeah. He's got the bad scruff of the neck in the last minute, and he's set Origi up. Um, more, more is needed from the, the second half type of performance. Um, less of the first. But yeah, it's the longer it goes on, the, the more you're waiting for him to to make that big statement, and it does get more worrying, doesn't it? Shakiri mm-hmm. worries me a little bit as well. He seems to yeah. have gone off the boil. Yeah, a little bit. In the yeah, last past three, month or so, three yeah. or four weeks. Because, yeah. you know, again, we were talking about Klopp having options off the bench and game changes and how important that is. And there is that stat in there about the number of yeah. players he's brought on that have then made big contributions, which has been a big strength this season. But I didn't think the subs improved Liverpool at, at all no. last night. Shakiri doing off away from home? Uh, well, he, he started at Wolves, didn't he, in the FA Cup? And it was a really bad night for him, along with most of the. Most of the team that night um, mm. can anyone remember any big performances from Shakiri away from home quite a few home goals no, it's tended to be been home yeah, isn't it yeah. I remember at Leicester he held the ball up really well when we wanted to win 2-1 yeah. he, like he came on he just sort of yeah. kept it in the corner for as long yeah. as we needed yeah. but I suppose that is a worry Kiva what are your thoughts on Keita I'm willing him to do well yeah, and, I know, another you feeling, know yeah. Like you saw last night and against Leicester, the glimpses of when he sort of bulldozes through and like drops the shoulder and you're thinking oh, a little bit more of that because we're not getting that at the minute. Well, we didn't get it last night from Salah, Firmino, Mane. just didn't seem like they... Mane more so did yeah. a bit more, but it just didn't seem that like directness was sort of lost and we were just like, this blockade was put up by West Ham and we were just sort of like, oh, we'll pass that way, we'll try and get through there and then yeah. we weren't really doing anything Um so I, I hope he, he, it comes good for him. I feel like it didn't help at the start of the season when he was kind of him and Fabino when playing and we were sort of waiting what was going to happen. And now, like, you know, because like Oxley chamberlain and things like that and the, obviously Wijnaldum and Henderson last night, you sort of... The midfield's been the big topic of debate anyway all season. We've all... The front three set, the defence apart from now has been set... So it's always been the midfield that has brought up the big, you know, discussions mm-hmm. like who's going to play, and that's been, you know, the big topic of conversation. Um, I don't know. I think as fans, we we just need to give him a little bit of time. Obviously, we want results and we want him to do well. The Premier League sometimes, it, you know, players take longer to adapt than others. This time next year, 
he could be absolutely smoking hot or in a few weeks, you know, he might just catch on. And obviously, like James and Paul say, them moments like against Leicester, if he maybe wins the penalty or goes on to score. And then last night, he, when he bulldozed through or when he passed it to Origi, it's moments like that in the season can do great things for mm-hmm. you. Like we could have been talking about Origi today, have scored yep, two yeah. last minute mm-hmm. winners in mm-hmm. the season. So, you know, and how, how he'd get remembered if we go on to win the league so you know it just it's about having a bit of luck sometimes and patience yeah. as well I know mm. you can only be so pa- so patient for so long but I think we just need to you know keep calm do you think that's the problem Paul I mean not not, not just for Cater but for someone like Adam Lallana it's all well and good saying he hasn't played a lot of football and he, he can only play so well but Liverpool can't afford people to put in half performances they need everyone firing because they need to win games to win this league Exactly, yeah, and that, that's, I suppose, where the, the, the depth issue comes in. You've got players who are mm-hmm. struggling for fitness and form across the board, and the players who, who are probably good enough to come in at home against some of the lesser lights and to do enough to, to get the points, but when you're away from home against the team who've, who've got decent ambitions themselves, it's it's going to be difficult, and I thought Lallana did did play quite well last night, mm-hmm. actually. Um, did really well, didn't he, to, to shut Milner through, even though he was offside for the... The opening goal. Um, Loves a Cruyff, doesn't he? Oh yeah, he's, he's the king of the <laughs> yeah. Cruyff, isn't he? I, I thought, he, as James says, he, he performed as well as he, as what could have been expected from someone who's played three times in or three starts in over a year. Um, is that good enough, though? Well, that, that, that's that's the question, isn't it? That, that's mm. what will ultimately. It's the question I'm asking you. It's what, it's what, we'll, fi- it's what we'll find <laughs> out in May. Um, I think quite a lot of surgery is required to the squad in the summer um, to kind of bring in players who are sufficient backup without lessening the quality too much but yeah. that's going to cost Liverpool okay moving on slightly Jürgen Klopp um, in trouble with the FA today they've asked him to explain his comments about Kevin Friend after the game James what was he furious about considering Liverpool <laughs> did score a, a very very dubious goal yeah I, I think it was just the, the build up of frustration over mm. the course of the night wasn't it I think we know that he wears his his heart on his sleeve and he I think he, for having slept on it, he probably regrets what he said because um, you know he, he essentially paraphrasing what he came out with. He, he felt that Kevin Friend was obviously aware in the second half that he, that there'd been a mistake that had enabled yeah. Liverpool to to score the opening goal when Milner was clearly offside when he crossed for Mane, and the insinuation was that that then led Kevin Friend to giving everything West Ham's way in the second half, um, and obviously. You know, you're not allowed to accuse a referee essentially of, of of bias towards one team or another. So, yeah, the FA have now asked him for you know, his written observations on his comments, and likely, I'd I'd say that a, a charge would follow. Yeah, most likely, have been a, a fine. Obviously, they do take into account you know your, your previous disciplinary record because he you know he had a charge. What was it, only in December when he got fined eight grand for running on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd imagine he's going to get hit in the pocket. Uh, again, but um, yeah, I didn't. To be honest, I didn't really see that he had much of a case. I think I think it was just frustration. I didn't. Yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't come so. away from that game thinking Kevin Friend was to blame for for anything no, that went no. on there tonight. If you know, if anything, you know, Liverpool got away with a, a ridiculous one. The you know the the Milner offside and the build up to the goal and you know and when you when you think about chances that went begging. I mean, the Declan Rice header. No, he should have absolutely buried that, and yeah, the, 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 the referee at the end as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there was 
decisions did not co- cost Liverpool that game. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I think that's just a manager that's looking for something to kick. Yeah, Paul, he's he's very well loved, Jurgen Klopp, but quite a few people give him a bit of stick for being a bad loser. But mm. show me a, a, a good loser, and you show me a loser, aren't you? Yeah. Um, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, I don't know how much of it is kind of the Mourinho tactic of trying to deflect away from a performance that wasn't particularly good on the night. I remember he did it last season with, was it West Brom? When he kind of said, he was moaning about West Brom's grass, I think. And he kind of said, <laughs> they'll, they'll enjoy that in the championship. And it's just like a little dig. To, a bit unnecessary. Kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. He's, he's done it a few times, hasn't he? And I think part of it is, is to try and divert attention Elsewhere, do, you think it, do you think it diverts attention though? Because I think it does the opposite. I think today we're now talking about a manager and perhaps a set of players that are feeling the pressure rather than if he just stomachs that, that draw. I, and, I, just, and I just don't think he's, he's very good at doing it. Mourinho was kind of yeah. the master at it, well, wasn't he? Because he's, he's, he's so... He's emotional. Yeah, he's emotional. He's not cerebral though, is he? He's no, not, no. He's not someone... No, I don't that, think he, that, That's what I'm saying. That, that's why I don't think he's good at it because he isn't cerebral. He, maybe he's just kind of thinking mm. on the spot and he just comes out with... Moaning about the referee who didn't particularly have a, a bad night. It was more that the linesman weren't it, who Liverpool benefited hugely from. Um, a nice haircut of the linesman, didn't he? He did, yeah. I know. He, he had a little line in his head. Um, he, you know, he looked a bit too old to me, haven't yeah, he? Yeah, I mean, like that. if you're going to be a, a linesman or a referee in, in the Premier League, I don't think it's well advised to have a line in your hair. Short <laughs> back and sides. I just think, yeah, just keep it very simple. it should be like a standard haircut well, for I think, referees. I think at least cut. it's up to the... <laughs> the FA or the Premier League to give him a little bit of advice there and say look I hope he didn't do it himself either because James Miller was well off where he was <sighs> it was, it was crazy, crazy he made some some crazy decisions because Origi was offside at the end but that, there was that, one that was the other end wasn't it yeah, different lines oh was it different lines yeah. alright Paul um, and there was, a, there was another one when Salah was he, he flagged offside and he was well onside yeah Did you, do you remember that yeah. one yeah it was it was, it was a bizarre performance from him um, maybe that's sort of what Jürgen sort of getting at I think a yeah. little bit maybe I don't know because as a fan watching it felt like West Ham were just clever they were just winning loads of fouls all over the pitch they were taking ages to take them mm. and then they were taking some really as we see with the goals some really clever training ground routines yeah. set pieces um, Klopp's just a passionate fella yeah. and I think he just I think people will just like you've seen that thread on Twitter of all the excuses Klopp used yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that and it's like I think he says something like oh at Leicester we all knew the ground like you know the snow and stuff like that and then like you know people run away with it a little bit he, he's just, quite often he's right isn't he he makes a point he's not saying this is why we lost but nobody who watched the Leicester game can say that that snow didn't affect Either yeah. either team, and especially Liverpool, who had more of the ball. Can it used to be the wind, didn't it? It used to quite yeah. often. The but it, it does affect things, doesn't yeah, it? And, yeah, yeah. and it's not like he's not coming out and saying this is the reason why we lost. But quite often, as you say, that people pick up on these as excuses. Oh, but yeah, yeah. They're, not, they're not quite excuses, are they? I don't think they're excuses. If you played Sunday league and it was windy, you'd be like, "Oh, windy today, lads." <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So I don't think um, they're excuses per se. But you know, he's got to talk to the media all the time, hasn't he? He's got to talk to us. James has got to. Get something out of him every James you know, fault. James James James. poking and prodding yeah. them. Yeah. I remember he, at Wolves he mentioned something about the wind and, and it was literally just three words about the wind and another five minutes talking about the game and as soon as he said it, I thought, oh, that wind is going to be on Twitter by yeah. everyone tomorrow and <laughs> yeah. that's going to be the, the story. Yeah. And as you say, he, he wasn't wasn't trying to pretend that it was. That's it was just job, something that it? he just said at the you know during the conference, but that's just the way social media is isn't it yeah okay let's finish off um, 
if you're confident that Everton are going to turn Man City over tomorrow, can you please shout up? Total silence there, James. That Everton haven't got a history of doing this to Liverpool. <laughs> Certainly not against Man City. <laughs> no. <laughs> What was it? That was it. Was a penultimate game, wasn't it? I think in 2014. Was it City won three two? Yeah, it fourth was a four two. Ross Barkley yeah, scored, scored an yeah, absolute yeah. screamer. Let's let's be fair. Here. Let's all be quite honest with ourselves. If Rolls, if it was Man United chasing Man City for the league, and Man City would come to Anfield, would you want Liverpool? Des- would you desperately, deep down in your heart of hearts, want Liverpool to win? Well, I remember Chelsea coming to Anfield in 2010. And they were trying to battle with United. And if United would have won the league, I think it would have been United's 19th yeah. title. And Steven Gerrard. Yeah. And I remember the, the atmosphere that day was kind of a, a bit of apathy. Like, no one was really bothered that Liverpool just surrendered to Chelsea and Chelsea just comfortably walked away with it. Blackburn, all those years ago. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. I think that that had more of a, an emotional thing because Kenny Daglish was the Blackburn yeah. manager, wasn't he? And yeah. so many people wanted him to, to beat United. Yeah. I think, I think the only thing that helps Liverpool slightly... Is the fact that Everton lost to Wolves last weekend? Because I just I don't know whether I don't know whether that changes. You know, if if, if Everton had beaten Wolves, yeah, and and like had got back on track a little bit, then I think fans would almost think, well, th- this is like a, a a nothing game that you know we probably and the, you know the, the, would easily take just losing it because of, they don't want to do it. The last thing that Everton want to do is do Liverpool a favour, but. I just think with Everton's predicament at the moment and Marcus Silva's predicament, can they can they really afford to just you know the, the apathy is James, have you seen them play lately? <laughs> Honestly, I'm I, trying, I, to, I'm I, trying I to cling to cling to something, some but... kind of bit of hope here. That I don't know, I don't really, I I just don't think I don't think it is a nothing game for Everton because oh no they, no. I think Just for us, it you know, look on from a Liverpool perspective, we can say it's an often game. Everton are 100% getting beat. If if they don't, then then we'll be like great. But, you know. I can't wheel down Old Hall Street if Everton <laughs> beat Man City because I, I just I haven't seen them recently. And I'm not saying that's a slag Everton off because I'm just saying I haven't seen them recently. They just don't look like a side capable. The, the teams that have beaten Man City this season, whether it's Palace, um, Leicester, or or Newcastle have been set up to, to battle and catch, perhaps catch them on the counter-attack. And Everton just don't look like that sort of team at the moment. The thing that worries me is, um, with an even game at Goodison Park, when the Everton fans get behind the team, it does create a, it's a, a, bit a really a good pit. atmosphere, yeah. isn't it? And it does help them. Mm. And I just wonder how many are going to be really, you know, <laughs> getting stuck in on, on Wednesday nights yeah. in the stands. There was, last time when City went there and Barkley scored that goal and stuff, there was Everton fans sat in their own away end. I remember reading about that. Yeah. So, you know, this is sort of like, don't put it past them again, you know what I mean? But then you've got to respect them in a way because football is a sport of rivals and yeah, they hate yeah. Liverpool and that's okay. Yeah, we're all hypocrites. We'd all be, I'd, I'd be if United were playing for that, I'd be cheering on Man City. <laughs> I'm not, I won't lie. Right, I, I think but, there's a little bit of hope, honestly. A little bit of hope? Tiny bit, tiny bit. Well, we'll, we'll end this podcast on a hopeful note. Um, thanks for tuning in. Kiva, Paul, James, thank you very much. We'll join you again on Friday to preview the Bournemouth game and hopefully look back on a glorious Everton win. Against <laughs> Come on, Come you blues. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.